Um, I kind of wanted to start off with one thing. I don't know about you guys, but the one thing that I was thinking about this week was with this message is how bad it feels when you're left out. How bad it feels when you feel as though you're not welcome someplace or you're not good enough. Or you feel as though like some people feel that they're better than you. And all of us have, I'm sure, felt it at some point. No matter how old we are, no matter how wealthy we are, no matter how good looking we are, there's just sometimes we come into this place where all of a sudden you feel like, wow, I just don't feel like I belong. You know, I'm not good enough to be here. And that's one of the reasons why I think I fell in love with Jesus so much is because I realized that that's so not him. It's so not how Jesus feels about anything. You know, when I was growing up, I remember having this idea of what Christians were. You know, I had this first really interpretation of Christians, and really it wasn't so much the people saying or doing anything, but it was more my interpretation of them. You know, when I was growing up, I'd had this idea that these people that went to church were just so much more together than my family was. You know, my family was just too loud, too crazy, way too argumentative, you know. And uh, these people walking in at a church, you know, they look so good. They look so put together. You know, I never was raised in church. Actually, I have a, a picture that I keep, and it's a picture of me, and it says, Jesus loves Deborah. And it was actually when um, a church was coming and was picking up kids and taking them to this congregational church in Peru. And I know I didn't write it because it says my name is spelled wrong. My name is spelled D-E-B-O-R-A-H, and they put D-E-B-R-A. But still, it's a picture of me as a little girl, and I'll tell you what, that picture probably means more to me than anything because I look at it and I think, there was always something there that I felt like welcoming there, you know? But these people maybe didn't do this, but it was something I really felt inside myself that maybe I was a little inferior. There was always something that was a draw, you know, something that I was drawn to, like these people looked like life was more orderly. I have OCD. It could be a little of that. So it could be very well be that. In fact, my very first crush, I remember going to the bus. We would go to the high school, and all these buses would meet there. And then the kids would transfer buses because we lived in Troy Grove and we drove seven miles north every day. But we transfer buses and we go to the grade school. I remember my very first crush was this little Catholic boy, you know, white shirt, black pants, just looks so clean and orderly and looks so good. You know, that was my first, my first real crush, you know. It looks so put together, you know. And I realized I'm like, there's something about being put together and everything. I really like that idea. But my idea of Christians was way off the mark. You know, they might look that way on the outside. But if you looked into their heart, there's so many people that really aren't what they seem to be on the outside, you know. Um, They might be way more messed up on the inside. And I figured that out really the most when I became one myself. (laughs) You know, it doesn't matter how good you look on the outside. You realize that it really wasn't, if not for God's forgiveness and all the things that he does for us to help us, that we are all just messed up. We're all just trying to make it, you know? And looking on the outside really has no real true indication of what we are on the inside. One of the other things that was really, really wrong about was the people in the Bible. You know, I remember trying to read the Bible when I was probably like 14 years old and not really understanding it, not really trying to, you know, grasp, not grasping everything that it was trying to to say. But I had this idea thinking these people in the Bible were going to be these like amazingly godly people. You know, this is how God wants us to act. You know, this is it. Then I started reading the Bible and I thought, wow, this is not how God wants us to act. This is how God most of the time doesn't want us to act. 
He actually used the people in the Bible as really showing us how flawed and how failed they are and everything to show us that that's really mankind. That's what they do. Their, their position is always seems to go the more evil way. So it's kind of an interesting thing how we looked at it. It's interesting, though, because because God turns our lives around so much if we really just give him our lives, you know? And I think if he can take those people in the Bible and if he can do these amazing things through their lives and change them so much, we know that he can surely do that with ours. He could take a life like mine and he could make it right, you know? The Bible is full of messed up people, just full of messed up people making dumb decisions, destroying their lives. You know, this is what they did. I mean, so many people, I think, today walk around feeling like they're not good enough. And I think if you looked at these people in the Bible, you think, wow, I'm just as messed up as they are. I'm just as messed up as my brother or sister in Christ is. There's really not that much wrong with me, comparative, you know? Well, one of these scriptures that I read, I remember reading through the Bible, and I probably read numerous times, but then there was one day, and I remember the day specifically I was reading, took a break. I used to clean for people. Remember, I took a break, and I was cleaning at... Um, a woman that was at our church's house. And I remember reading the scripture and I thought, wow, that's for me. Like, I felt like God specifically said, this is for you. And it's Isaiah 61, 3, and it says, To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. This scripture just jumped out at me. You know, one of the reasons, I think, because I was always feeling not good enough. And I always felt like my life was really kind of a failure and just a mess, you know. And I thought, wow, there's something there. When I really read it, I was like, what jumped out at me the most was the beauty for ashes. And I was like, wow, that's just so powerful. This idea that he can give you something so beautiful for something that's really just throwaway, ashes, you know. So this, this scripture was meant for me, and I felt like it was meant for me because I was always looking for something more. I think I was always looking for more fulfillment in life, and I was always looking for more stability. You know, I, I grew up in a family where my mom died when I was really young, and a dad who was an alcoholic, and there was no stability. And I was always looking for that just stable life and, you know, love and security, all those different things I was looking for. And I think all these things through that scripture really just kind of like like just basically like enveloped me in like God's arms. And he said, this is, this is what I offer you. I offer you this because you've never recognized that you could have it, you know. This beauty for ashes is, is a beautiful thing. I mean, it's, it's not talking about just beauty on this earth. But when he says ashes, what he says is, is also a promise that you don't go through death. You know, beauty for ashes, ashes is what happens when we, the end times come. The, the scripture is John fifteen six is anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. That scripture is meaningful, the fact that he says beauty for ashes, a beautiful life in exchange for one that could have just been thrown away and burned up. Basically, the Bible tells us, makes it clear that we are all on a crash course with death, right? Nobody gets out of it. Nobody gets out of it alive. It just, it's all going to happen. We're all going to go through it. And our default position really is death. And I think a lot of times that really confuses people and surprises people because what happens when someone dies is we normally, right off the bat, we say, they're in a better place, don't we? Well, they're in a better place. Well, if we're a Christian, we have to really stop and think about what we say there because is that true? Is that not true? 
you know, ashes, he talks about that there is an end that comes. There is a death that comes. So the thing is, if we do nothing, our default position is death. That's where we're going to be. You know, we're born, we live, we die. But when we love Jesus and we accept him and his forgiveness, he says that I, you, you don't die like that. That's not what happens. We, we're promised that we can live forever, that we can live eternally. So I was thinking about this message series. When, you know, we were trying to figure out the end of the, end of the year and what I wanted to teach, and I was thinking, you know, I want to teach the fact that so many people walk around feeling so unworthy, I think, in our society, that we're all walking around so messed up, but thinking that we're the only ones that are messed up and thinking that we somehow have the corner of the market for being failures and flaws. And it's so not the truth because the majority of us, if we look at our lives, would say that even if we've been forgiven, even if we've accepted Jesus, Jesus as our Savior, we still struggle and we still fail constantly over and over again. We're not perfect. The Bible says that we'll never be perfect. We're never going to be perfect until the day we go into the presence of God and then all things will be made perfect. So really all of us are just nothing but failures and flaws and you know, imperfect people. It's unfortunate people walk around acting like they're so much better than others, but that's what our society does. And that happened throughout the Bible. We see that's over and over again. So, sadly, many people are like I was. They think they're not good enough to be his, uh, you know, or even get close to him. And we can see that that was the case in the Bible, wasn't it? Right off the bat with Adam and Eve, what happened? They walked hand in hand with God. They were walking there. They were friends with him. And then all of a sudden they started to sin and they started to feel that they were not good enough to be in God's presence. Same thing that happens to us. You start to hide from the God who earlier would walk with you. But God wants us to come to him no matter how messed up up it is that we think we are. You know, he loved messed up people. Loved them then, still loves them today. In the Message Bible, if you've ever read the Message Bible, it's, it's a beautiful Bible. A lot of people sit there and say, oh, you can't read the Message Bible because it's not the original text. Well, there's a whole lot to be said about that. I read the Message Bible and I get so much from it because it's spoken in our everyday language and it's so amazing. But in the Message Bible, Eugene Peterson, who wrote it, he describes Mark in the Bible, who's a disciple of Christ, as almost breathlessly excited and wasting no time in telling us the message of Jesus. That one, that he's here and that he's on your side and that he's passionate to save us, all of us no matter who it is that we are. And I think if you read the the chapter of Mark, you can see something pretty amazing, that the very first five chapters of Mark are just filled with examples of the people that Jesus tried to reach. First five chapters, he writes about Jesus coming to and changing the lives of two stinky, uneducated fishermen, a leper, a paraplegic, a detestable tax collector, a crippled man, and a madman. You know, he came to these people and he offered them each something special. What he did was he offered the fishermen more purpose. You know, he said, you guys are fishing, fishing for men or fishing for fish. He says, let me tell you, you can go off and you can fish for men, giving them a higher purpose than they ever thought they could possibly have. To the leper, he gave them acceptance because they were hated. They were considered unclean, untouchable, unlovable. To the paraplegic and the crippled man, he offered him healing. To the tax collector, he offered them Forgiveness, because people hated them, because they were stealing from them. To the madman, he healed them from demons and all the things that he was going through. So we can see that right off the bat in the Bible, you see these amazing things where God tried to reach these people who most people would think were the throwaways, the uneducated, the people who would think, 
are not valuable in society. But that's so not how Jesus was. And I think you can always tell somebody when they haven't read the Bible, you can tell somebody who thinks religion is going to make it for them because you can see that they don't have the love that Jesus has for others. That all of us are just failures and flaws. All of us are not good enough. All of us are messed up. And the only reason why any of us are good is because God is good. That's it. So we have these first five chapters of Mark showing love and acceptance to all these unlovable people, to all the people that he came in contact with and that he touched. In 1 Corinthians 1.27, in the New Living Translation, it says, Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think that they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. I don't know about you, but when I heard the Bible, that's when I was like, I love Jesus. I love Jesus so much that he used people that, those people that were religious would have thought, they're not valuable. They can't do anything good. I mean, even Jesus himself, they said, what can come val- out valuable out of, the, out of Nazareth? You know, what? I mean, is there anything that could be good to hear? You know, I mean, the thing is, he loved to use people who God, who the world would say was not good enough, but God would say it had value. So Jesus, who Mark recognized as the Son of God, he was willing to get close to and change these messed up lives of all these people. And this has never been done before. These people were living with a lot of rules and regulations and religious you know, traditions, and that's what it was all about. And here, all of a sudden, you had people that were, you know, said that they weren't clean unless they went to a priest and told them that they were clean and, and couldn't do this, and they had to give money to show that they were clean and, and all these things. And they weren't allowed to even come in contact. I mean, if you were an unclean person, if you had leprosy or you had something wrong, you had to actually come within so much feet of people and you had to yell out, unclean, so that people could part ways and run from you because you were so hated in society. So the thing is this. That wasn't how Jesus was. So Jesus didn't have that same, same uh, mindset or thought. You know, Here he was, he was offering the message of salvation to these regular, everyday, messed up folk, people that all would say were invaluable and unlovable. The unclean, Jesus ran right up to and he touched them. Whereas before people had to run out and say they're unclean, Jesus walked straight up and he touched them. People that had leprosy, he'd walk up and he'd touch their hand. He didn't care. He didn't care at all. He was just there to offer forgiveness and he was there to show love. And he never, ever made himself apart from anyone at all. Now, I don't know about you, but that's when I sing songs and we do worship. That's when I actually just think, how can I not love God? How can I not love this Jesus that is so lovable and shows that he wants to love everybody? I mean, that's when I sit there and think, how do you not want to tell Jesus how wonderful he is? You know, the Bible says there's people in, the, in there that the woman that says that she wants to pour oil on Jesus. You know, she says the reason why she does it is because she's been forgiven much and she appreciates it much. I feel that way. I look at my life and I think, wow, that Jesus gave me forgiveness, that I actually have everything he offered to me who the most wonderful, beautiful person, the wealthiest person has, I have? That's an amazing thing, you know? But like I say, Mark was amazed by this because we can't even imagine, and they couldn't then at that time for sure, understand a God that was willing to overlook a person's past or what they maybe even look like right now because we all are guilty of that. And the reason why we can't understand is because sometimes we cannot see past ourselves what people look like, can we? 
I know I'm not the only one. I can sit there and say I'm forgiven by Jesus, but I still, from this, from that day forward, I still some days look at people and think, ugh. We all do it. There's some part of us inside of ourselves that still looks at people and thinks they're not as valuable as us. Or look at them. And then we start to make you know, excuses why they're not as lovable in our eyes. And say, Jesus says, that's not how you're supposed to be. That's not how I was. That's not how you're supposed to be. So Jesus proved over and over again that he was never as much concerned with how a person looked or a person's past as much as he was with their future. Because everyone has a past. There's no one here that can sit there and say, My, everything was perfect. All of us have a past. All of us know that we have failures and flaws. We are not perfect. There's only one that has been perfect, and that's Jesus Christ. All of us have failed. All of us have flaws. And I think it's good because that makes us actually realize that we need a Savior. There's a quote by Oscar Wilde that says, The only difference between the saint and the sinner is that every saint has a past, and every sinner has a future. We all have a past. A lot of times we like to pretend that, you know, we don't, but we do. Some of us would be unwilling to share our past with others. We wouldn't want people to see what we've struggled with. We wouldn't want to confess the things that we've done. Because if we did, we'd say people would definitely look down upon us and not think we're as valuable, maybe, as other people. Or the impression that I give you of who I am up here is not the person who you think I am. See, maybe because of the way I was raised, and maybe because I did have this interpretation that Christians were so perfect, that I decided early on that that wasn't going to be how I was. That I was going to be a person that was going to be as true and as honest and real as I could possibly be. Because we're all just forgiven, right? So I'm probably too real sometimes. <laughs> I've met people like, well, you're just, I'm like, no, I'm extremely real. If I'm having a bad day, you'll probably know it. If I'm having a great day, you'll probably know it. It's just who I am. I don't believe in, in putting on a front, and I don't believe in putting on a facade, and I'm not a person, I'll be honest with you, I'm probably one of the people that probably hates the most of Christians that's, how you doing? Blessed day. I hate it. I hate it. I think it's annoying. I think half the time those people are lying. They probably just fought with their husband or their wife or their kids, and their stay is not great. But, you know, there's this idea thing that we have to walk through society acting like everything is perfect and great, especially if we're a believer because, well, then, you know, maybe we're just not a real believer. You know, like this idea. I can tell you I've been forgiven. I'm going to heaven, but I still have bad days. And there's still days I fight with my husband. There's still days we work together every day. And there's days he just shakes his head and walks away. And I go, forget it. And we walk our separate ways. And you know that whole thing, but you never go to bed without saying you're sorry. And I've been guilty of that, for sure. I woke up just as angry the next day. Not good. But that's just who we are. But some of us aren't even willing to share our past with others. And, you know, I think that sets a tone for other people to think, well, oh, well, they don't struggle. They're perfect. You know, that we're not messed up. They're put together. You know, but our testimonies are our greatest thing that we can offer to somebody. They're the amazing gift that we can tell somebody. It's like, I have struggled maybe with the same thing. You know, one thing you learn in ministry really, really quick is you learn to have the best poker face in the world. Because I have been told things that would curl your toes. I'm telling you. (laughs) Me and Cameron have talked about that before. I've had people come up to me and tell me something, and I went, uh-huh. And then I go and go, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but I got to their faces. <laughs> because, you know, sometimes you're like, whoa. But you know what? We're all just failures and flaws, and we're all just forgiven. But we have this most amazing, wonderful Savior. 
And like I said, if you read the Bible, you can see that Jesus hung out with these people who would most would say were unimportant, unclean, prostitutes, tax collectors, adulterers, good-for-nothings. Those are the people he hung out with, and he never treated them that way. He showed them all the time that they mattered to him. That's what he did, and he loved them. In fact, he showed more love to them probably than he did to the people who thought they were good enough, you know? Luke 18, 9 through 14 is a little long, but I want to read it to you. It says, Then Jesus told the story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and seemed in scorn to everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else. For I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector was standing at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, return home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. How can you not fall in love with a God that has that attitude? That someone sitting there saying that they're, they're so great, and really are doing everything that God would want them to do. God wants us to fast. God wants us to tithe. God wants us to do those things. But the things he says, he says, if you're doing those things and you're feeling like you're better than someone else, then you're already missing it. You're wrong. You're, you're the person that's wrong. So whether or not we look at our past as messed up or put together, God would say that even if you thought it was ever good enough, it was never good enough, and it never will be good enough, because the only thing that will help you to get to be perfect is really him. He's the only one that can give us true righteousness. We have we can get a self-righteous attitude. We can act like we're better or, or superior, but the truth of the matter is we're only righteous because of God's righteousness. You know, everyone needs God. The problem is that most people don't want to accept it. So whether or not we would ever think we're good enough, you know, the Bible tells us that there's proven that none of us are good enough. So, Romans 3.23 says, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. So we are all sinners, just waiting really to be accepted and to be loved and really to be made perfect by God. Jesus and his disciples hung out with people, like I said, who needed what he offered. Salvation from their sicknesses through physical, spiritual, and really emotional healing. And that's what all of us struggle with on this world today. I mean, that's what we deal with. All of us are either a lot of times walking around dealing with physical healings that we need, emotional healing, spiritual healing. Those are the things that we all look for. We want that from God. Mark 2, 15 through 17 says, Later Jesus and his disciples were at the home having supper with a collection of disreputable guests. Disreputable guests. These are the people that Jesus hung out with. Unlikely as it seems, more than a few of them had become followers. Isn't that interesting? The religious scholars and Pharisees saw him keeping this kind of company and lit into his disciples. What kind of example is this, acting cozy with the riffraff? As I said, when I can't say how you can't fall in love with Jesus, Jesus just overhearing shot back, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? I'm here inviting the sin sick, not the spiritually fit. See, he says, if you already think you've got it figured out, I'm not even here for you. You know why? Because you're blind to the truth. You don't you think you even need me, is what it is. So Jesus accepted these people as they were. None of the people were good enough, and neither are we without Christ. We're not perfect. We're not good enough. No matter how put together we might look on the outside, on the inside, 
We're not good enough. Acts 10.34, and I don't have the scripture where you can get it because I actually found it when I was doing through my notes just a little bit ago. So, Kate, don't fret. You don't have it, maybe. Acts 10.34 in the message, it says, God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God or are ready to do what he says, the door is open. The door is open to you if you want it, if you understand that God offers it to you. That's what it's all about. It's just love. You know, when you think about Jesus, what it is, is people say, what's the greatest love story? The greatest love story ever is that Jesus came and died for each one of us that aren't good enough. You know, but he offered this way for us to be good enough. So you need to ask yourself where you are today. Are you one of the Pharisees who thinks you're spiritually fit? Or are you sick? I was sick. Man, I needed Jesus. I knew my life was going in the wrong, wrong way. I had everything that looked like it was perfect. You know, the two kids and the, and the dog and the marriage and the house and everything was great. But emotionally, I was a mess. Emotionally, I was terribly depressed. I was thinking, this can't be all there is. There has to be something more than this. And then finally, I realized that there was. That there was something more that God offered to me. And that's when it turned around. You know, when people sit there and say, there's so much of a, you know, I, I want to talk about this next few weeks. There's so much of a disconnect when it comes to God. And there's so much of a, a, a worry about image that we can't look too needy to God. Because if we do, we look like we're radical. Well, I'm radical for Christ. I am. I'm radical for him. I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to move my body. I'm going to do those things because I love Jesus Christ. I'm not worried about my image, what my next door neighbor standing next to me thinks, what I feel. I'm more concerned about what my Jesus thinks of me. I'm more concerned the fact that I praise him and raise my hand to him than I care about what other people think about me. It doesn't matter. You know, it's really kind of a shame that we get off on this, this idea after we've Come to know Christ that we think that we have to act a certain way or be a certain way or God forbid we come on too radical or too strong, you know? Just kind of frustrates me from time to time. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more as we go on. You know, there's this idea of thinking that people are not good enough in this world. And I think it's such a a shame because I totally thought I wasn't. I wasn't good enough. I was raised in the housing, you know, I... um, Born in a family that was like the last of 10 kids, no money. My mother on, um, you know, all the welfare programs you could possibly be on. And uh, after my mom died, my sister begged and pleaded for us to get in the housing. You know, people would want to not be there. I was doing, we could do everything we could to get there because we had no place to live. You know, and it, I had this idea thinking that that was always really, you know, like it was a bad place. You're a bad person if you live there. You know, and it's a shame that that's the impression that we give to people, especially as Christians. We should never give people a per, uh, the idea that they're less than us, that where they live makes a difference, what car they drive makes a difference, how well they dress makes a difference. None of that stuff Jesus sees. I've always thought in my own mind that Jesus, you know, that's why we, we don't have people. I mean, if you want to come dressed up, you can come dressed up. If you want to come in pajama pants, you can come in pajama pants. All we ask is that you wear clothes. That's all we ask. But, you know, things we don't worry about that because, you know, I really truly believe that Jesus, I'm not even sure he sees us that way. I'm not sure he looks at us and says, Deb has blonde hair. I think he might look and just see our hearts. 
He might just look at us and say, that heart is open to me. That heart is open or that heart is closed to me. That might be what he sees. He doesn't see necessarily what we put on as a facade. But yet we notice it and we make people feel inferior. How could you not love a Jesus who did just the opposite, but showed love and compassion to every single person he met, no matter how unlovable or unworthy they were? He would run up to them and tell them how much he cared and offer them so much. Matthew 21, 28 through 32 in the New Living Translation says, But what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, No, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and he went anyway. Then the father told the other son, You go. And he said, Yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed his father, they replied? The first. Then Jesus explained at his meeting, I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of heaven of God before you do. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him while tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you still refused to believe him and repent of your sins. It doesn't matter who we are, it just matters if we're willing to accept. You know, I know there's people that sit there right off the bat that sit there, well, you know, God wants us to be wealthy, God wants us to be rich. Well, God says that sometimes richer people have a harder time getting into heaven. He says, why do we look at like whether or not someone has value or if they can afford something as being better? Why do we look at that as such a, an attainable goal? If anything, sometimes it's more of a detriment to their souls. You know, but after Jesus Christ accepts people from their sins, you know, only then can we be good enough for God. Only then are we good enough. And how can we, after we've been forgiven, have the right to go up to anybody else and act like they aren't forgiven because they're less than what we would want? I think we all need to be kind of recalibrated and straightened out on how we look at people in this world. You know, there's a lot of people that look down on what we do here and say, well, this isn't a church. Well, I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit and Jesus is here. This is a church. This is a church. This is a church. It doesn't matter. The building having stained glass windows or or beautiful facade means nothing. Just like people on the outside mean nothing. It matters what your heart is. That's what matters to God. So if you're messed up today, I want to tell you, you are in good company. You are in good company because the majority of people who've ever come to Christ and really accepted him and fell in love with him and desired to have really a good communion with him have only been forgiven too. That's what it's all about. But the one thing I want to explain to you is through that, I'm going to tell you, you guys need to praise him for that. If you come from that and you got that forgiveness and you know how much God has changed you, how can you not offer so much more praise and love to that God? That's where I'm, I'm at. You know, that beauty for ashes, I'm going to tell you, that just blows me away. When I read it, when I think about it, I think, yeah, Beautiful. Just beautiful. I mean, he gave me two kids that loved Jesus. Took a life that was really going nowhere. Two kids that loved Jesus. A husband who fell in love with Jesus. Things aren't perfect. I'm nowhere near perfect. But I know I'm forgiven. And that's what it's about. You know, I think we just make Christ too unattainable to most people. Because of what we project. Don't we? I can sing well. I can speak well. Well, I'm going to tell you, I know I'm not the best speaker. I never intended to ever do this, ever in my life. If you would have asked me, never, ever, ever would I have said I was ever going to get up 
and talk and tell people about Jesus. But the thing is, God wastes nothing. And he says, if I can save you and I can turn your life around, and if you love me so passionately, how could you not do this for me? I mean, Moses had that happen, right? Moses was used. Moses was a murderer. I didn't do that much. (laughs) Moses was a murderer, and God used him. So many people fail and are flawed in the Bible, and God uses them in these grand ways. And I think all of us need to get through and understand that we're just all messed up people looking to be made right by God. That's all we need to be. So, if you're messed up today, you're in good company. And I want you to know that Jesus wants to meet you today. And I know that really sounds like, oh, please, don't talk to me about Jesus and salvation. Don't tell me that I need to meet Jesus and ask forgiveness. I'm going to tell you that's how it works. Straight up truth. Had somebody not too long ago come in here and sit there and say, well, I really hate that they preach the Bible. Well, (laughs) this is a church and we preach the Bible. I'm sorry. This is what we're going to do. But that's how Jesus tells us we're made right. We have to ask for forgiveness. And then he comes in and he cleanses us. And he says, you're still going to struggle. It's a daily walk. You have to pick up your cross every day and try again. But he says, I, if you ask for forgiveness, he's there again. That's what it's all about. So if you've never done that before, I want you to think about it. Because there's forgiveness from Jesus. No matter how the world has treated you, no matter how many people in your family have treated you like you're worse or less than, that's not how Jesus looks at people. That's not how he how he loves at all. So I want to pray for you. And if you have really kind of ever made Jesus something maybe different, if you notice that you kind of sometimes are more judgmental, ask God to forgive you that. My husband and I had a discussion about this this last week. He said, there's times where I really go through and I do that. And I said, I think we all do. And I think we all need to be brought back sometimes. I think all of us do it. All of us look at somebody and think that there's everyone's on this like scale and where we fit on it. And that's not how Jesus says. You know, there was one thing that Adrian Rogers, one of the best preachers you will ever, ever have heard in your life. He's actually passed away. But he says, the most level place in the world is at the foot of the cross. That's where everybody is just sinners and then forgiven. So I want to pray for you real quick if you'd want to bow, bow your heads. Thanks for holding the attention even though the wind was blowing in and there's hail. It was a little distracting, but I really uh, appreciate you guys holding on and not running for your lives. But you can run for your lives right now. All right, I want to pray for you. But I want to ask first, if there's anybody here that has never accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you've never really made Jesus Lord, if you've never really asked for forgiveness, if that's something that you've never done before, if you want to raise your hand, it's not something that's a great big deal, but it's just asking Jesus to uh, forgive you. Is there anybody here today that needs that? Okay. Well, let me pray for you. And uh, we'll just pray for God's blessings upon this day. Lord, I'm thankful, Father, that you saved me, Lord. And obviously you saved so many others out there, Lord. I pray that each one of us who's been forgiven, that has had the slates wiped clean, Lord, that you would just uh, help them, Lord, to just look at people the way that you want to look at them, Lord, the way that you would see them. Help us to not look at people as more valuable or less valuable than us, but, Lord, that we would look at people as just sinners and forgiveness 
And, Lord, that we would just show love and compassion to the people we come in contact with. I pray that you would help each one of us, Lord, to grow closer to you today. I pray, Father, that you would help each one of us to uh, just be drawn closer into your presence, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just invite and be, be invited into their hearts, Lord. And I just pray, Father, for each person that's here today, Lord, protect us as we go home. Keep us safe, Lord. And I just pray for uh, any bad weather that's happening, Lord, that you would just protect all the people that are in it. Lord, we're thankful for everything you're doing today, Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming, guys.